So for those that don't know me, because it's been, I, I, I look back, it's been three years since I've had the opportunity to preach, which it seems like yesterday, but it's been a long time. But for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Justin Russell, and I'm just a member of this church. And uh, I've had the uh, opportunity to uh, serve in this church for over 14 years. And so uh, I don't count myself as somebody that's just a polished speaker. There's a good chance during this time with you I'll lose my spot in my notes. Um, there might be opportunities for you to laugh at me, and I'm completely fine with that. Um, but I'm, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Um, my wife... She was about ready not to come because she's already read the sermon like five times, so I already know everything, so why even show up? Um, but I, I like to get somebody else's view on uh, how things are going to go, and she said, oh, it should be fine. I was like, well, that's encouraging. Um, so one good thing that, that you need to understand, I, I told this story before, but I thought that it, uh, in the wake of having the Lord's Supper and this potentially being a long service, this would give you encouragement as we move through. But the first time I, I preached, I was an interim youth minister in a church, um, First Baptist Church Academy, just outside of uh, Temple, Texas. And uh, there's a whole story how I got into that position. Um, it was not my calling, I can say that. But uh, we had a youth night. And so on youth night, the youth minister preached. Well, I'd never done it before, and I, and I wasn't trained. And, and uh, I got up there. I thought I had this amazing sermon planned. And I get done. I thought I went for a good amount of time, and, and one of the deacons took me to the side. And the service started at 6, and we were done by like 6.25. And he looked at me, and he goes, he just said, Justin, that's one of the best sermons I've ever sat through. I said, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm thinking, this is great. And uh, he said, I never in a million years thought we'd be home in time to watch the kickoff for the Cowboys game at 7. <laughs> but, but we got it done. So I don't think I'm going to be that fast today. We've probably got 15 to 20 minutes planned with you. But my, my hope is despite the obstacles maybe that, that I have when it comes to uh, um, communicating with you, that God can speak a word um, through me and... Uh, for me, when I preach, it's always something that God's working on in my life. And so there's always going to be one person that gets something out of a sermon that I preach. And uh, my hope is that there'll be something that you pick from here that, that you can get as well. Pastor Rodney, thankfully, has an opportunity to spend some time with family and not prepare a sermon this week. So we hope they're doing well. But I, I'm grateful for this uh, this opportunity, but for the last month, he's been preaching a series titled Gospel Conversations. He discussed with us how to get out of brokenness, which all of us deal with because of our sin, and we know that the answer is Jesus. Today will be a little bit related to that series. I didn't plan it that way. I think it just kind of flows with it a little bit, but I want to talk to you about how God can provide help in our decision-making and how one decision can change the course of our lives and other people's lives forever. This summer, um, I, I saw uh, Miss, Miss Martha in the back, and she's like, we've missed you. I've been traveling a lot this summer, and I've been back here the last couple of weeks. But through that time, I've had an opportunity to visit other churches, which I, I really enjoy. I love my church, don't get me wrong, but going to visit other churches, you know, especially some old country churches where it's like the old school hymns, 
I love all kinds of worship, but to, to get that opportunity is a lot of fun. But we, I was visiting with my parents' church in Georgetown, and the associate pastor preached that day, but he got up after the children's minister had spoken about VBS, and he made a statement. I have no idea what he preached about, I'm going to be honest with you, and that happens to me sometimes. I hope that's not the case today. But that happens sometimes where you, you, you hear something and it sticks with you. You don't really hear anything else. And there's no question in my mind that God spoke to me in this moment. But he got up and they just discussed VBS. And he, he said this statement. He said, one decision can change a family tree. One decision can change a family tree. No matter how big or small that decision is, it can change it. And that stuck with me. And I even talked to my mom and dad afterwards about how, how profound that was to me, just that statement. It might be something that you've heard before, but for me in that moment, it stuck with me. About a week later, Pastor Rodney asked me, will, will I preach for him um, at the end of the month? And uh, I didn't think that was a coincidence because I feel like what God was working on my heart was something I needed to share with others. Some decisions that you have possibly encountered in your life have to do with career change, moving, buying or selling a house, ending or beginning a relationship, placing loved ones in a full-time care facility, adopting a child, retirement, and many, many more. I'm certain that these decisions didn't come lightly and possibly change the course of your life either in a positive way or maybe in a negative way. We make decisions with many things in mind. It might involve where we want to live, what school has the degree that I want, money, the best schools for my kids, being close to family, and, and the list can go on and on. I think we all know that God should be involved in every decision that we make, but do we really involve him? I mean really involve him. I can say that many important decisions in my life were based on what I believed God was calling me to do. And there's not a question in my mind that God had his hand on me and my family when we moved to Castroville because it wasn't necessarily a place that I wanted to move to. I, just, I got a job and moved here, and I've been here for a long time now. I've messed up in some decisions with what I thought was best for me at times. God always has a way of getting me back on track if I allow him even when I make those mistakes. We may wonder at times whether our decisions count for anything and if our lives make any kind of significance. The obvious answer to this is yes, but let's look at how impactful they can be. I wanna look at uh, some important steps in making decisions, whether big or small, but also show how that one decision can change the course of a life forever. Every decision that you, can, that you make can have an eternal impact. So I wanna look at a couple of characters or a couple people that are in the Bible real quick and uh, kind of look at how their decisions not only impacted them, but impacted us as well. So real quick, we're going to look in Genesis and we're going to look at chapter three, verses six and seven. And we're going to look at the decision that Adam makes um, here in this moment. Verse six says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. 
I don't think this is an eye-popping verse for us. It's something that all of us read because there's probably a lot of people in here that decided in a year I'm going to read the entire Bible and you at least got through Genesis. And so you've, 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 we've gone through that part. But I'm not sure if there has ever been a decision which made a big, bigger impact in history, obviously, than the fall. Impacted greatly. Now I want to look at another person. He's my favorite person in the Bible, obviously, besides Jesus. But I want to look at Paul. And uh, most of you are familiar with Paul, but I'll just kind of give you his back history just to make sure that we're on the same page. It says, no person aside from Jesus shaped the history of Christianity like the Apostle Paul. Paul was very religious and had been trained well as a Pharisee, and he knew the Bible. He thought that the Christian movement was dangerous to Judaism. He hated Christians and persecuted them without mercy. He was making decisions that were very impactful, but not in a positive way. He was feared by Christians. Most of us know the story, but Paul was stopped on the road to Damascus, and Paul personally met Jesus there, and his life was never the same. He became the Apostle Paul in that moment. And before him, not many people were seeking out reaching the Gentiles like he did. The ministry was focused more on converting Jews rather than the Gentiles. Paul made the decision for the rest of his life to convert as many people as he could, whether they were Jew or Gentile. Kind of get off my sermon notes for a second because I saw this this morning. Two people posted this on Facebook. And it talked about, and maybe some of y'all saw this, it might be something that's kind of floating through there, said when Paul entered heaven, all the people that he had persecuted, you know, even Stephen that he had put to death, they were applauding him as he entered heaven. Now think about that thought for a second. I thought that was pretty profound, somebody said that, but that's the truth. All the bad things that Paul did in his life, Right? God changed him. Jesus changed him. It's the same for us. I know there's a lot of people that, that sit there sometimes and go, I'm just not good enough. You're exactly in the right place if you believe you're not good enough because Jesus is the only one that can change us. And so that's kind of off this, but I saw that today and I thought that was profound. I'm sure it'll be floating around Facebook here for the next couple of weeks, but I thought that that was a good statement. We're going to look real quick in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. And this is Paul, and he's speaking to the Philippian people. In verse 21, it says, for, me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I'm sure some of y'all are like me. I, I'm pretty blunt and honest when I have the opportunity to, to speak to an audience. But there's definitely been moments in my life where I thought the same as Paul did here, where I desired to depart and be with Christ. That life just got so difficult, I said, you know what, it'd be so much better right now just to be in heaven. And, and I think that a lot of us have felt that way, um, whether through losing a loved one, maybe losing a job, maybe you're struggling in your marriage, whatever it may be, that, that like in this moment, it'd be a lot easier if I went that way. 
Um, but Paul, Paul said, you know, that's not my time. So he made a choice right here. You know, and he understand what Paul's been through. He's been through prison. He's, I mean, all the persecution that he did, now he's the one being persecuted all the time. He's going through hard times. Like, we can't understand the persecution that took place back then. You know, even if like, hey, I'm made fun of because I'm a Christian, that has nothing to compare to what they went through, right? But he made a choice. He knew that dying was to gain eternal life in heaven, but he also knew that God had him here for a purpose. And he would live out that purpose every day by sharing his faith and encouraging and helping to progress believers in faith. Please don't ever make a decision lightly. So if you're a person that wants three points in a sermon, we're getting to that part now. And so you can get that. My daughter, Jordan, if you ever see her, she is amazing at taking notes. I mean, I, I didn't hear anything in a sermon. I can go back, hey, what do you preach about today? And, and she, she can let us know. But I want to look at three things that I think we should do when we're making any kind of decision. The first thing we need to do is pray about it. So let's look at James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Prayer is our greatest tool when making a decision. God will provide you what you need. And this is the, the part I need to make sure you understand. It might not be the direction that you thought you were going, but it will be the right direction. How many times in my life that I've prayed about something and I have my little mind telling me this is where I want to go and God goes the opposite direction. And many times I'm upset about that. But then you look back on your life and you go, wow, he took me in the correct direction. Thank you, Lord, for not taking me the way that I thought that I should go. If we want God's wisdom, we must involve him. I'm going to be honest with you. Many times, times I've tried to handle things on my own, almost like I don't want to bother God with the small stuff. He actually looks at the small stuff like it is the big stuff. Include him in your everyday life. How long do you spend praying for God to help you with a decision? Do you spend one minute, wait another minute to get an answer, and then decide, I guess he's busy and move on? I think a lot of our prayer lives are like that. Jesus showed us the greatest example of how to pray. He would spend all night praying, focusing solely on God and what his will was for him. Asking God to please help and then moving on is not going to help you gain any kind of wisdom. Martin Luther, who helped birth the Reformation and the rise of Protestantism, said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business I cannot get on with without spending three hours daily in prayer. I want to read that one more time. Some of y'all are freaking out right now, but okay. He said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. I'm certain we all have three hours to spend in prayer, right? Every single one of us, we're going to get up at three in the morning and we're going to pray until we have to get ready for work. I'm certain we all have that time. But I don't, that's not how I'm reading this. 
I think what this shows is the importance of spending quality time daily with God, which in turn will help all of our decisions to be guided by the Holy Spirit. A prayer life is something that I'm working on always. It's something that many times in my life I've struggled with. And, and I think that I'm probably not the only one. And I look at this and what Martin Luther said, no, there's no way that I can just stop. I mean, there's a way, but it's going to be very difficult for me to stop and just pray for three hours before my day gets going. But I can start my day off in prayer. Many of you have long commutes to work. How about turning the radio off? and spending that time in prayer with your eyes open, driving, okay? Um, I don't think there's anywhere that says I have to have my eyes shut to pray. But we can live a prayerful state throughout our entire, entire day. We don't have to just stop, close our eyes, get in a corner, whatever it may be in prayer. We can be in a prayerful state our entire day. We're eating lunch, okay? Um, you have an opportunity during that time maybe to spend some time with God. And so I think the importance of this statement that Martin Luther was saying that it is the most important thing that you can do in a day is pray. And I think that if we challenged ourselves and we made that a priority to start off our day with prayer, to try to be in a prayerful state, our decisions now are going to be guided by the Holy Spirit because we're in tune with what's going on, right? If we just get up and go, how many times Justin Russell's making decisions for himself and he's messing it all up? You know, but if I start off communicating with God, I have that opportunity to be that way the rest of the day. So the second thing we need to do to help us make godly decisions is to look into God's word. So let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 16 and 17. It said that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just a little background in these verses, Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him as a leader and point him back to Scripture to help in his decision-making. So another important piece, this is not part of my sermon, but discipleship, being involved in Sunday school, small groups, Bible study, all of those sort of things are so important, and we see Paul right now is discipling Timothy. That's, a, that's very important. God has already given us the perfect manual on how to live our lives and to make good decisions. And if you ever hear somebody say, well, that book was written thousands of years ago. It's not applicable today. Well, I can tell you right now in my life it's been applicable. And if I read my Bible daily, it's applicable to me daily. So I don't want to hear that as an excuse that it doesn't apply today because it is amazing how anything that's going on in my life, all of a sudden if I'm spending the time in the word that I'm supposed to, all of a sudden, it helps. That's how God communicates with us, one of the ways. And so I definitely don't want to hear from somebody saying, oh, it was written a long time ago. It doesn't apply to us today. It absolutely does. Read the Bible regularly to discover God's truth and to become confident in your life and faith. The third thing we need to do in order to make godly decisions is to seek out wisdom from other godly individuals. So look with me in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> it says, The wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage a war, and victory is won through many advisors. In any major decision that we make in life, it is not a sign of weakness to ask for advice. Let me say that again to all the men in here. 
In any major decision we make in life, it is not a sign of weakness to ask for advice. Find good advisors before making any big decision. I try as best I can to be led by God in my decisions, but he has yet to give me an answer audibly. I'm still waiting, but it hasn't happened. I've received answers through scripture, but probably the majority of answers that I've heard from him were through a godly individual with much wisdom. Usually someone older than me that has gone through many things in life. Seek out godly wisdom from others. Also, don't be afraid to help someone along the way. God has worked in all of our lives in many different ways. We all have a different testimony about how God has worked through us. Are you available to be used? Don't miss out on the opportunities to bless someone through your experiences. I can tell you right now that my testimony is different than everybody else in here. And I used to have that mindset growing up that there's not really anything impactful in my testimony. And I was wrong for saying that. And in those moments, God is going, hey, I just want you to be used, Justin. Well, I've had things happen in my life now where my testimony is probably a little bit more unique than others. But what I need you to understand is there's nothing better than for someone that's going through a tough time to be able to talk to somebody that just went through that same thing. Sometimes that's a burden to bear. You know, and I don't, many times in my own life, I've had somebody say, hey, will you call so-and-so and talk to him about this? I know you've gone through it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I really don't want to. But I always do, because I know that was, that's what God's calling me to do. So we have got to be ready for those opportunities. I don't want anybody in here to think, well, my testimony is weak. That's God's testimony. It is not weak, and he can use you in whatever instance that is. Can you imagine we probably have 250 to 300 people in here, and every single one of us has been used by God in some different way? That's impactful, and that's an opportunity for all of us to be able to share with somebody what God has done in our lives. I want to finish by asking you a question. Are the decisions you are making furthering the kingdom of God? Are you seeking to make godly decisions selfishly? I'm not saying it is wrong to ask God to guide you in decisions like where to live, what job to take, who to marry, where to go to college, so on and so on. I think it's important to involve God in that. But God wants to be involved in those decisions. But as a Christian, the decision to share the love of Jesus and God's grace with other people, it's not up for negotiation. We must make the decision to go and tell. We are commanded to do that. And so we make the decision to go show the love of Jesus to a coworker. We're called to do that. But how many times God opens the door and we don't go through it and take that opportunity? I don't want to look back on my life and see how many times I miss those opportunities because I guarantee that I have. And so be ready. Be on the ready for those things. Look with me in Romans chapter 10. And we're going to be looking in verse 13. It said, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word 
about Christ. I think it is important to point out that every individual is responsible for their own choices. We must accept responsibility for our own sins. God is not going to put the blame on someone else that you never accepted Jesus as your Savior. That's an individual decision that you have to make. But while we are on this earth, we are called to share the good news of Jesus. The decision to share the gospel with someone God places in front of us is an important one. We must not miss our opportunities. <clears throat> Real quick, I want to speak to the parents, grandparents, or anyone that's acting in any kind of role of raising a child. Children have the natural tendency to imitate their parents. We make, if we make God a priority in our family's life, your kids are going to see that. If we place importance on other things and put God down the list, your children are going to see that and they're going to imitate it. Our decisions now are very impactful and can make an eternal significance. If you want to find out the honest truth on what is the priority in a family, ask a child. And they'll tell you. Now, they might get an eye from their parents like, don't say that. You know, but they'll tell you and they'll be honest. What's important in your family? That's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And some of y'all are thinking, well, well, Justin, you just started out having a teenage daughter. You haven't even gotten into it yet. You don't even know. And I said, here's what I do know. Maybe they hit the teenage years and they go off a little bit, right? They're still watching. And I have a hunch they're going to imitate exactly what the parents are doing. I can look at me and my siblings. At times, we hated each other growing up. And we did. My mom is over here. She can probably attest to that. Now, my brother was older than me, but I was bigger than him, so I took care of business at times. <laughs> but let me tell you what. We watched our parents, okay? And particularly, I watched my mom, and she's, talk about the wise person in your life, she's my go-to. I, I can admit up here, I'm a mama's boy, and she's my go-to. And if I need to talk to somebody that's wiser than me, I talk to her, but we watch them. Guess what me and my siblings do now? We absolutely love each other. We love each other. And I'm sure that makes my mom so happy because she was wondering for a long time if that love was ever going to show. But don't discount the teenage years and think, oh, my gosh, am I ever going to get them back? They're watching you. The decisions you make, how you discipline them, everything. Okay? And understand this, and I'm kind of getting off my notes. Discipline is love. I'm not my kid's friend. I want to have a relationship with them like I'm their friend, but I'm their parent. And I have one chance to raise them right and do those things. Am I perfect? I can tell you I'm not, but my wife is. Well, she's not. <laughs> but what we need to understand is, is the things that we do now are going to affect their future. And there's times I can look in my kids' eyes and go, you're so mean, why are you doing this? Because I love you. And they're like, what? You know, but that's the truth. I think there's, I think that word love is so important when we're talking about discipline. And it's the same thing in schools. Discipline our kids in school because we love them. And so understand the importance and how impactful it is as a parent to be imitators of Christ so that they see that and that's the most important thing in their life. I want to go back to the associate pastor at my parents' church and his statement of how one decision can change a family tree. There are many reasons why parents send their kids 
to VBS, church camp. Maybe they uh, send them to an FCA meeting, whatever it may be. Majority of parents are probably concerned about the spiritual welfare of their child, and that's why they send them. But let's be honest. I fall in this boat. I need a break. I'm saying they're going to VBS because I need a break. They're going to go to church camp because I need to have the opportunity to have a week off away from the kids. But whatever that decision may be, it doesn't matter. That decision can change the course of not only that child's life, but also your family. Here's what I know about our church. VBS is a big deal. It is a big deal. And that's one of the biggest outreach programs that we do. And I don't, can't tell you how many times you can see a parent that doesn't go to church here drop a kid off and they're coming and join VBS and learning about Jesus. But let me tell you how impactful that can be with that child, that one child being here. You have the opportunity now for that child to go home and say, hey, mom, dad, guess what, guess what, guess what? And they're going to talk about Jesus. And maybe that parent's going to be like, oh, I want to hear about this, but man, I enjoyed that three hours off today. But by them going and sharing with their parents, maybe that parent says, you know what? There's something different. Maybe I should go visit that church. Or maybe my church home that I have not been to in four years, let, let's go visit. Let's go, let's go see it again. Maybe that's going to spur them on into a relationship with Jesus. And then all of a sudden you're going to go from that to, you know what? I want to share what God's done in my life with my siblings with my parents, with my cousins, with my coworkers. That one decision to send your child to VBS can be that impactful. And that's, that's true stories. I know within our church that that happens all the time where a kid comes to our VBS, parents have never stepped foot in here, and all of a sudden they end up attending. I'm not going to have anybody raise their hands, but I bet there's people in here that are in that same category. So don't think that decisions aren't impactful. And that one decision to send your kid to that situation right there is, has eternal significance. Ultimately, the smallest decision could lead to something with the major eternal significance. So as I close today, I want you to think about this. We're not gonna have an invitation today because in a moment we're gonna be uh, celebrating the Lord's Supper and have an opportunity to do that. I think at the end of the service, everybody knows who Tina is. She's here. You're going to see all the deacons that, that are up here, and they're leading the Lord's Supper. If there's a decision that you need to make, somebody you need to pray with, you're welcome to talk to me. I'd be happy to do that. You can talk to one of these individuals as well. Talking about decisions. And the title of my sermon, I don't think I shared this, was One Decision and how one decision can be so impactful. The most important decision you can make in your life is to follow Jesus. If you're not quite sure how to do that, we'd be happy to speak to you about it. Okay, let's pray.